in those early years of the church trying to get started and figure out who it was and how it ought to act and how it ought to be, Paul wrote to the Romans, had a pretty good church there, and he wrote what you and I think is probably his most uh, organized, structured, uh, detailed, laid out kind of theology. So it wasn't just a plain old letter to say, how are you, and encourage you to do good or to stop doing bad or whatever the case may be, really had a lot of things to say. And uh, Paul, uh, you know, talks about uh, the, the sin in their life and how they're going to overcome that because of the power of God in Jesus Christ and his crucifixion and resurrection. But he also says in Romans 8, uh, that you've got to have hope for right now and hope for the future. And that hope is what we want to talk about a little bit this morning. Look at Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read just a couple verses. I'm going to start at verse 22 and I'm going to read through 25. It's about future glory. He said... Paul says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as well as while we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is not no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. Hope is a pretty easy word for most people to understand. Uh, most children have some idea about what hope is. They hope for a great birthday or they hope for a whatever, they know what that is. And adults, young and old, know what hope is. It is both a simple and a complex kind of word and idea. Hope is to the spirit what oxygen is to the lungs. Without it, you are dead. In regard to hope, you might not be six feet under, but without hope, you are dead to any kind of a life if you don't have hope. The Christian life, as much as it is anything, it is a life of hope. I want us to look at four words this morning that I think will help us uh, get some better understanding of hope. The words are passion, power, pain, and promise. Say it with me. Passion, power, pain, promise. Those four words will tell us something about hope that I think is important for us to hear and understand. 
Now, passion is required for serious hope. This morning, we're not talking about frivolous hope. I hope the Clemson Tiger basketball team could be like the Clemson football team and be national champs one day and compete uh, for national recognition. That's frivolous hope in life. But we know about that too. But this morning, we're talking about serious hope. We're talking about hope that makes me feel alive and fulfilled in life. With that kind of hope. Without that kind of hope, I'm dead. Serious hope requires a dream, a belief, and some investment. No thing we hope for, seriously, uh, we believe in. If we didn't believe it was possible, it would be frivolous hope. But we believe it's possible if we hope in this thing. And it requires an investment on our part. There's not a parent or a grandparent in this room who have wished and hoped for their children or grandchildren to grow up to be responsible, good adults. That just doesn't happen. That happens because you make an investment in them of time and energy and a considerable amount of money. It requires a lot of work, this investment. If we want to become a congregation, a people of God, who are as best we can be godly people, it doesn't happen just because you occupy a place here every Sunday. It requires an investment of your time and of your energy and your money. It doesn't happen automatically, just because we show up week after week after week after week. It requires something. Without passion for what we believe to be true, our hope is not possible. That brings us to a second word, power. If we don't have enough power to put into our hope, it's not going to happen. Think about the most powerful personal energy there is in humanity. It comes from hope. Your ancestors and mine hoped for a better world when they came here. And their hope empowered them personally with their energy to not only get here, but to work like dogs to get what they wanted. Hope is the most powerful personal energy there is in humanity. The people who come year after year and day after day, hundreds of miles to cross into the borders of the United States, come here hoping for something better, 
They don't walk hundreds and thousands of miles dragging their little children and all their possessions on their backs because they don't hope for something better. They do, and that gives them the power to endure. You and I, some of us, come from fairly humble beginnings. We hoped for something better in our life. And we were willing to study for it. We were willing to work for it. We were willing to do whatever it took to realize that hope of having a better life for ourselves. Do you know the millennials today are in jeopardy of not having a better life than their parents. I hear that on... Y'all, Tony, you ever heard that on the news? I, it's on the news. It don't make sense to me, but somebody has observed that. I don't know how millennials are in this room. A good many. But that's what they say about you. And until you have hope that gives you this power to move you forward no matter what, to endure, to study, whatever it takes, your hope will not be realized. God's people didn't spend 40 years waiting for the promised land without power. They didn't cross the desert without power. The people who started Pleasant Gardens Baptist Church didn't make it happen without the power and the passion of hope that there would be something influential in this community that would draw people to Christ. It happened because somebody had a passion and a dream and that passion and that hope gave them power to make it happen. But there are limits to human power. And that brings us to our word pain. A young couple married, didn't have children early on, but they continued to pray, they continued to work, they continued to try, they did everything they knew how to do to have a child. And ten years on, Doris was pregnant. Six months into the pregnancy... Test stuff is made, and the bad news is Doris's child is going to be so maldeformed that it'll be questionable whether it can live or not. Who's going to tell Doris? Husband goes to Doris and says, This is the news from your tests. They decide not to give up. They decide to hang on to their hope. They decide to pray. They decide to ask their friends to pray. They decided to continue to be hopeful. Two days later, the doctors come in and say, you know, we're sorry we'd put you through this. We read the test wrong. Your baby's going to be just fine. They were relieved and rejoiced in that news. Weeks later, baby's born premature and stillborn. Children, that means dead. 
their hopes were crashed, crushed on the rocks of reality. Most of you have lived long enough to have experienced such a thing either in your own immediate family or your extended family or your extended church. You know what it's like for somebody's hopes to be dashed on the rocks of reality. When that happens, when that happens, the question is, what do I do now? Albert Camus, a French philosopher of some note all over the world, he said, stop hoping. Just think more clearly. Hope hurts too much. Think clearly. Stop hoping is what Albert Camus says. I want to say this morning, never stop hoping. When life crashes in on us, we must find a different kind of hope. And that brings us to our last word, promise. This kind of hope moves beyond passion for some good thing. This kind of hope moves on beyond what's possible for human hope. The promise of God being a part of our hope moves us to another dimension of hoping. For now, we don't hope for what's humanly possible, but we begin to hope for what is possible for God to do, not for us to do. Bible speaks about two kinds of hope. There is a future hope that we like to sing about, that we like to talk about oftentimes. It's about the hope out yonder somewhere. God is going to wrap this world up and things are going to be better for everybody who knows Him. And heaven is going to be a wonderful place. No more tears. All good singing and worship. Heaven is going to be a great place somewhere out there someday in the future. Hope is going to be realized. The Bible talks about that. But the Bible also talks about a hope for what's here and for what's now. This kind of hope is what we have to have when life is hard, painful, when we're disappointed, when there's failures, when there's confusion. We need the kind of hope that only God can bring to us even when we think God has abandoned us. I don't think there's a better picture of that, that abandonment, than the picture of Jesus on the cross. Here is God's brightest, God's best, God incarnate on earth, Jesus, who is the Christ. And he's suffering 
on the cross for nothing he did. He himself wonders, where are you, God? Why has my Father abandoned me? I want you to remember that thousands of years before, Job asked the same question. Job is probably our very earliest scripture that was written down for people. So you know this idea about how God abandons his people and how we feel when we think God has abandoned his people matters. So Jesus hangs on the cross wondering where God is. Why has God abandoned him in his hour of desperate need. Well, if we want to know, we better look a little deeper. And we better understand that it was God who was with Jesus in his suffering. He wasn't somewhere else. He was right there. We only talk about sometimes uh, how wonderful God is. But we must understand that God is a suffering God. He didn't just suffer because Jesus was on the cross. He is a suffering God. He himself suffered while Jesus was on the cross and was at work in that very suffering. In the darkness of Jesus' death, God was at work. Before that first finger of light came through the darkness of morning, God was at work in the life of Jesus. So I say to you this morning, don't give up hope. Find that hope that only comes as we allow God to be a part of it. And when God is a part of our hoping, we're talking about not what is possible for us, but what is possible for God himself. So if you wonder this morning if life can ever have fuller meaning. If you wonder, can a career really be restarted? If you wonder in your loneliness if you will ever find a friend or companionship, keep on hoping with the kind of hope that only comes when God is a part of the hope. Don't. Give up. When you think things are the darkest, remember there is light. And the light is not so far out there. The light must be found in here as you allow God to build your hope 
inside of you. There's where the hope is for today. There is hope, yes, way out there. But there's hope in here today with the light of God in your life. Only that kind of hope can give people the kind of fulfillment in life, the kind of meaning in life that will sustain us through all things. If you don't know this God that we know in Jesus Christ, you can't know this hope. And this morning, if you'd like to know more about who this Jesus is and how he brings hope to your life, you're invited to come and say, I need to talk about that hope. If you just find yourself in a place where hope is faltering, and you can't find that hope of God in your life. And you need to say, pray for me. Come this morning as we sing our song of invitation. Come.